welcome back to Chris and Reggie's Cosmic Treadmill episode number 136 when we go back, back to, the, to past the past and read a comic book from the yesteryear of publishing. You can find us every Sunday on chrisandreggie.com or subscribe to us via iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and via Columbia University's ham radio station, W2AEE, for the latest breaking news. Mm-hmm. So today we're doing a subject that I know you like a lot, Chris, Teen Titans, and I'm positive Certainly. you're going to love the issue we're about to discuss with that one. It's going to be uh, Teen Titans number 12. Uh, this is the first volume of Teen Titans. The story is called Lodge Trouble in Spaceville at a November 1967 cover date, of course, by DC Comics. Written by Bob Haney, pencils Irv Novick. Inks and cover by Nick Cardi. It was edited by George Cashton, and uh, the cover price was one dime and a tuppence. There you go. Yeah, the American <laughs> tuppence, we call it. Uh, we're going to start off with one of our favorite fellows, Zany Bob Haney. He was born March 15, 1926, in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. He was the youngest of three surviving children. He had two older sisters. His father, Bob Haney Sr., had fought in World War I as an engineer. Mother was a second-generation German immigrant who had settled in Pennsylvania Dutch country. For one year during the Great Depression, the Haneys lived in a Hooverville just north of Philadelphia on a farm. The space was lent by a generous farmer. Uh, Hoovervilles were shanty towns set up in public parks and empty lots by unemployed people who could not pay rent. They were named after Herbert Clark Hoover, America's 30, 31st president, who held the office at the beginning of the Depression and was blamed for many of the country's woes, even though it really wasn't totally his fault, but that's another story sure. for a different podcast. <laughs> uh, eventually, it moved to Philadelphia after Bob Sr. got a job fixing up for foreclosed houses. Father, His father had to routinely change jobs and apartments, forcing Bob Jr. to attend several grammar schools. And he had difficulty making friends, so he threw himself into academics. They moved to the upper Darby suburbs of Philadelphia when he was around 12, and they would stay there until he graduated high school. Bob Sr. would take off sometimes, ostensibly to uh, find better-paying work. Uh, He'd be absent from the family for a few years while Bob Jr. was a teenager. Bob Jr. knew about comic books as a teen, of course, but uh, preferred movies and classic literature. He graduated from high school when he was 17 years old and entered Swarthmore College in rural Pennsylvania on a partial scholarship. He'd attend for six months. Uh, he worked in the Sun Shipyard in Lower Delaware seven nights a week on the graveyard shift, which sounds uh, wildly unpleasant. Pretty brutal, I gotta say. And yeah. school, yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, he would enroll in the Navy in 1944, and that's where he first saw and looked at many comics. He enrolled, incidentally, because he was sure he'd be drafted anyway, and he wanted his choice of assignments. Didn't quite work out that way. No, but that's all right. (laughs) No. Uh, He was discharged in 1946 and went back to Swarthmore to finish up uh, by 1948. Then he went to Columbia University and got his master's degree in French history in only a year. Yeah. Now, he began his writing career and produced a number of contracted pulp novels, all, all using assumed names. Bob Haney broke into comics in 1948, and his first story was College for Murder in Black Cat No. 9, January 1948, cover date. Haney wrote for most of the smaller publishers like Fawcett, St. John, and Ace, until the Comics Code put most of them out of business. In 1955, he connected with DC Comics and wrote the story Frogman's Secret in All-American War No. 17 with a January 1955 cover date. Bob Haney created and wrote, without credit, the first appearance of Sergeant Rock and Easy Company in Our Army at War, number 83, 
with a June 1959 cover date. He also created Eclipso and Metamorpho, and depending on who you ask, co-created Doom Patrol. Uh, if you ask him, it's yes. If you ask Arnold Drake, it's no, for a long time. Mm-hmm. At least. Uh, Haney's relation, although you can't ask either of them because they have both passed on anyway. Indeed. <laughs> uh, Haney's relationship with DC would last almost 30 years, during which time he wrote nearly everything DC had. Uh, many of Zany Haney's stories are said to have occurred on Earth B. The B is for Bob Haney, Nelson E. Bridwell, Murray Boltonoff, and by some accounts, Bob Rosakis. It also alludes to the bees in the wacky Bob Hope comic stories, uh, comic series, and the Brave and the Bold, where many out-of-continuity stories occurred. It is said that if you were a DC Comics writer in the 70s and 80s, you would receive a Bible of the seemingly infinite Earths, and among them would be that very Earth B. And if uh, Wikipedia is to be believed, uh, Haney's brother-in-law was Ned Chase, the father of the patron saint of the cosmic treadmill, <laughs> Chevy Chase. Hey, look at that. <laughs> <laughs> now, when comics and animation work petered out in the late 1980s, Haney turned to other forms of writing, including writing a book on carpentry. He also uh, wrote a few additional comic strips for DC, including the Elseworlds 80-page giant number one that had a cover date August 1999. Silver Age colon, the Brave and the Bold number one, had a July 2000 uh, uh, cover date, and they were the posthumously, pub- posthumously published Teen Titans Lost Annual number one that had a March 2008 cover date. His last few years were spent in San Felipe, Baja, California, uh, Mexico, uh, where he passed away on November 25th, 2004. Hey Chris, you think they ever uh, did a Caddyshack <laughs> comic we could do sometime? That'd be, oh, that'd be great, that wouldn't adaptation it? Of Everything would come together. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe a uh, Christmas vacation uh, um, Something, I'll yeah be, One of the classics, yeah. sure Funny Farm would be alright too <laughs> There we go, Fletch uh, <laughs> now we, we jump across the table and meet Irv Novik uh, Irving Novik was born April 11th, 1916 He graduated from the National Academy of Design And would begin work in Harry A. Chesler's workshop Novik would become the primary artist for the MLJ Archie superhero line from 1939 through 1946. However, when Archie axed the hero's books in order to fake focus on their main books, you know, Archie, Jughead, all of them, Irv would find himself out of luck. Yeah, so he shifted into advertising and tried to get a pair of comic strips off the ground. Uh, those names were Cynthia and the Scarlet Avenger, two different books, two different strips, I mean. Uh, neither really had any legs, did nothing happen with that. Uh, Irv finally found his way to DC Comics thanks to his uh, thanks to his friendship with MLG MLJ collaborator Robert Kaniger. Uh, he'd work on several war and romance comics, probably right through Kaniger writing them. Probably. He and Kaniger would work together on a feature that appeared in the Brave and the Bold number one, August 1955 cover day, which introduced the character the Silent Knight. Irv jumped back into advertising around 1960, joining up with the Johnston and Cushing Agency. This was a company that specialized in comic strip style advertisements, and they provided ads for such companies as AT&T, Nestle, and RC Cola. Another notable artist in that stable, by the way, was Milton Kniff, the uh, Terry and his pirates, and the uh, Steve Canyon guy. Yeah. Johnston Cushing closed up shop in 1962, and so was back to D.C. for Irv. Starting around 1968, Novik would do more superhero work, including books in the Superman family, Batman, and Teen Titans, as we're about to read today. (laughs) He drew the short-lived Denny O'Neill written Joker series in the 1970s as well. 
Jumping ahead, Novick would stick around D.C. until the 1990s when his failing eyesight forced him into retirement. He received the Inkpot Award in 1995, and he passed away not long before uh, Bob Haney on October 15th, 2004. Very true. And that brings us right up to Teen Titans number 12. Now, the cover of this issue depicts a scene in space high above planet Earth. There's an orange alien in a purple space suit grappling with Robin, who's also wearing a well, a, a fishbowl on his head, um, which which seems to do the trick. Uh, that's well. good enough, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> works in the cartoons, works in the comics, probably works in real life, too. Sure. Now, uh, the alien is emitting some sort of uh, red waves toward Robin. Uh, they stand on a satellite, within which we see a radio disc jockey wearing an orange jumpsuit. On the suit is written, way out, up with love. Go, 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 cool, and Flipsville. You know, we haven't even got past the cover of this thing. I'm already feeling pandered to, like, immediately. A little bit, a little bit. <laughs> Records <laughs> float around the interior of this satellite, and the disc jock is saying... And now we're from your local sponsor. Hey! <laughs> the rest of the Teen Titans are held by a robotic tentacle stemming from a green spaceship. If you don't know who they are, a banner at the top with their faces helps out, says their Aqualad Wonder Girl Kid Flash. And uh, we'd like to say that this law makes sense once we read the issue, but it won't. It, um, <laughs> it's only going to get crazier from here. <laughs> we hop on inside to the opening splash, splash page, and like many Silver Age comics, it depicts a climactic scene that happens later in the issue. At least it's not like the Golden Age ones where they give away the whole ending right away. Or right. Front. <laughs> uh, an inset panel shows a close-up of the disc jockey from the cover. His name is DJ DJ, and he looks sort of like Dick Clark with messed up hair. He's got a halo of vinyl records spinning around his head. Whoops, bright-eyed bushy-tailed ones. It's old DJ DJ, the darlingest disc jockey of all, and I'm grooving your way the Fabaroo adventure I had with the Tariff Teen Titans. It all began when I went into orbit as the first space platter spinner. The rest, loves, is Titans history. We label it Large Trouble in Spaceville. And, uh... You're proud of that fact? I don't... Seems very, very proud. <laughs> very weird. <laughs> now, a red rocket cone floats outside of Earth's atmosphere, which contains DJ DJ. Caption reads, High in space orbits a U.S. capsule, whirling in the star-studded void. Another daring triumph for our astronauts... Hold everything. This is no ordinary space capsule. The radio transmission from it is different. Real different. Yeah, NASA hasn't secretly stripped the alien frequencies out of this one. Oh, boy, we're going to get some information. <laughs> it's me, loves your fragile one, old DJ DJ, coming to you from the wild blue yonder, the world's first disc jockey in space. So whoops, frantics ones, stay with me as I bring you the zaniest sounds of the grooviest groups. And now, without further jazz and pizzazz, apply to those dear gear ones, the hippies, doing weightless rock. Yeah. <laughs> Somehow... I feel like the space program should be for better things than this, don't you? Especially no, this, no, no. This, this early on. <laughs> you know? Land on the moon? No, no, no. no. We got to play the hippies. We'll, Weightless we'll, rock. We'll put the uh, rock and roll in space. <laughs> uh, by the way, in this angle, we can read one more phrase on DJ DJ's jumpsuit. It reads, it's a gas. Oh, boy. <laughs> down on planet Earth, everyone is boogieing down to the sounds of DJ DJ. And as the record, spun by the world's first space disc jockey, reached the turning world below, London, Paris, the U.S. 
And we know it's happening in London and Paris because Irv Novick used the old uh, comic book shorthand of, you know, drawing Big Ben in the Eiffel Tower. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, Wonder Girl is shimmying next to a reel-to-reel tape recorder, so that's got to be Titan's headquarters, right? It's either that or it's got to be some kind of recording (laughs) studio. I really like it. Hey, that that last swinging chick, isn't it Wonder Girl? And isn't she rocking in the sacred precinct of the Titan's lair? Um, yes? Correct! (laughs) Now, Wonder Girl is really getting down to the music, and soon enough, the other Titans show up to bust their chops. As if Aqualad is, like, in any position to judge anyone. Like, buddy, you know... About anything. Get in the back, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Kid Flash goes, DJ, DJ, sure got Wonder Chick freaked out. Aqualad says, Yeah, Kid Flash, I dig the rock, but isn't he carrying it a bit far? Get it? Far? Oh, Aqualad. Oh. Now, uh, <laughs> Robin goes, ouch. <laughs> yeah. Wonder Girl <laughs> says, quiet, you zombies. DJ's only going to be in orbit one more week, and I don't want to miss a moment of his dreamy sounds. Come on, guys, leave her, leave her to her misery while we do some serious training. And there is a song playing through all these panels. Uh, of course, this is a comic book, so you can't hear the music, but the lyrics are... And since I can't sing, I will do my best. Just, uh, just speak about c- it somehow. Because you, you turn on my retro's blast, blast, blast. My feet don't touch the ground because your smile made a rocket of my heart, doll. Yeah, yeah. William Shatner could not have done any better, Chris. That was incredible. That was my uh, goal. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> so as DJ DJ spins through space, spinning hot platters to a panting audience hundreds of miles below, we skip a couple of days ahead to... Wonder Girl bursting into the Teen Titans training room with something urgent to tell the rest of the team. Have they been training for, like, two days straight? Like, what the hell? You know? has, she, has she been dancing has, for two days straight? I mean, she said she wasn't going to miss a minute of it. I guess she <laughs> literally has been there for two days. Now, Robin is throwing a batarang on a rope around a cutout figure. Kid Flash is running on a treadmill, as he does. And Aqualad, check this out. He's swimming in the pool. <laughs> what else can he do? <laughs> Drink a glass of water? That's it. Uh, Wonder Girl says, Robin... Something's wrong with DJ. He's in trouble in space. Yeah, it turns out you can't fit a week's worth of music in a space capsule, huh? Not as a vinyl record, that's for sure. <laughs> Those are too big. Yeah. Robin goes, what happened? He pushed the retro button instead of the disc changer? Yeah, now all he's playing is big band jazz music, though. <laughs> Very funny, boy wonder. No, something's really wrong. Everyone heads over to the radio, which is embedded into a wall. Wonder Girl has a pad and pencil prepared to take notes. <laughs> yes, chillins, you may not see me, but you sure can hear old DJ any day in space, rocking the universe with zingy wavelengths. Whoops, wild ones. Hear that? Kid Flash goes, sounds like some crazy chattery always spouts, WG. Frankly, I tuned out after he said chillins. I just didn't really care. <laughs> Don't be dense, Twinkle Toes. Something's wrong with DJ. His chatter isn't right. It hasn't got its usual rhythm. Here, Robin, I've made notes on what he's been saying. Wow, she's been keeping busy. Uh, Wonder Girl hands Robin the paper that she has written on, and he says, Hmm, you check certain words here. Right. Words he seems to be repeating over and over. 
And uh, is one of those words Fabaru? Because then we could just leave him in space as far as I'm concerned. Turn off Send the radio. Him further. Yeah. Yeah, cut, cut him loose. <laughs> Day and May. They seem to be repeated the most. Wait a minute. Day, May. Turn them around, you get May Day, the international distress signal call word. Uh, not to mention the first of May, the month, but Aqualad says, You mean Robin, old DJ's in trouble up there in space? And uh, thanks for pitching in, Aqualad. Good job. <laughs> Could be. There's a certain code pattern to his patter. But if he'd only have to radio ground control direct if he's got mechanical trouble or anything else, why send it in code? Yeah, who the hell can understand what he was saying in the first place? You know, just whatever. Right? The, the police would be like, please get off the drugs and then call us back. Suppose someone's watching him or blackmailing him. Oh, cut it out, boy wonder. You've been watching too much Batman on TV. Bad guys in space. Hooray! Hmm. Listen, smarty gills. I'm sure DJ's in trouble of some sort, but... but what? Yeah, let's just talk about it for a few more pages if we can, right? Yes, just fill this up, you know. Let's go. <laughs> and, and I could have sworn we read somewhere that Bob Haney didn't even know there was a Batman television. Oh, well, I, I seem to recall there's oh. a few illusions here. Yeah. <laughs> now, the Titans continue listening to DJ DJ for more clues. As the way out disc jockey continues his patter and chatter. And now, greedy ones, old DJ is going to groove a disc that'll really steal your Uncle Teddy's mustache. Whoops, I goofed. Haven't got that one. Must have left it on the ever-loving Mother Earth. Hey, down there, Rushmore platters up here. Y'all here? Yeah! Hearing this, Robin takes off to a door labeled Teen Copter. That's probably the restroom, right? I would guess, yeah. yeah. Where are you bouncing off to, boy wonder? We're all bouncing off to South Dakota. And uh, when did you plan on informing the rest of the team? You were just going to run out the door and that was it? <laughs> South Dakota? Is that still on the map? They really must have had some old, crappy textbooks at his public school. The poor kid, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's Blue, State... Valley, uh, Blue yeah. Valley Public Schools system isn't, isn't old. <laughs> they don't recognize South Dakota or uh, Missouri. That's how they is. No. <laughs> uh, a billboard advertising the Batman television show springs aside, and a red helicopter known as the Teen Copter flies from behind it. Uh, we know it's the Teen Copter because it's got Teen Titans painted on the side of it. I think the manufacturer of this helicopter made another one for uh, Thanos a, year, a few years later, right? Yeah, he was going to He did such a good yeah. job. He made a yellow <laughs> one for him. Shortly, as the Titan Copter once again whirls the Fab Foursome into adventure and action galore, Aqualad says, Mumbling Mantis, Robin, what gives? Bugging off to South Dakota when Wonder Chick says DJ's in trouble in space? Shut up, Aquaman. <laughs> <laughs> because if I read DJ's last bit of chatter right, that's where the action is. You know, I think this may be the first and only time someone has described South Dakota as where the action is. I'm just, I don't I think, think it's right. ever been said. Yeah. Has the boy wonder become ungrooved? Has he fallen out of his tree? Well, let's flip miles ahead to South Dakota. Yes, it's still on the map. I was worried. Uh, now, there, there, a shadowy figure in a cowboy hat fires a laser pistol at Mount Rushmore, and it emits a green ray and makes a bzzz mm, sound. Yeah, the shadowy figure says, Now, they said this little gadget would do the job. Hard to believe, but here it goes. 
Now, Mount Rushmore National Memorial is centered around a sculpture scarved into the granite face of Mount Rushmore in the Black Hills in Keystone, South Dakota, which was designed and overseen by sculptor Gutzan Bog... Borglum, Borglum, uh, between the years of 1927 and 1941, with the help of his son, Lincoln Borglum. The sculpture features the 60-foot heads of Presidents George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Theodore Roosevelt, and Abraham Lincoln. The four presidents were chosen, respectively, to represent the birth, the growth, the development, and the preservation of the United States. So the shadowy cowboy uses his gun to levitate Mount Rushmore with a zoom. It lifts out of the Black Hills in one neat chunk. It's working fantastic. I can, I shall make delivery on time and keep my record unblemished. Is this a good time for the Titans to arrive? Mm, yes. It is. <laughs> Wonder Girl says, Merciful Minerva, the carved faces of the four presidents on Mount Rushmore, they're rising in the air. Holy hagfish! You were right, Wonderchick. Old DJ was sending a coded message. Lucky I figured it out in time. Hang on. Robin swings the helicopter around for a landing. Robin, some bozo on a ledge down there is making the statues rise with a crazy beam gadget. Check. Stand by for a landing. Huh? You gonna land on a floating zillion-ton knick-knack? I've landed the back copter on a postage stamp, so Teddy Roosevelt's mustache is a snap. And Robin does just that. Aqualad says, he did it! Yeah, no kidding, Aqualad. We can see that. It's actually a a visual medium, so I want you to shut Mm -hmm. up. (laughs) And as the Titans exit on the giant stone mustache... Ooh, my feet feel tickly. Oh, cut it out, doll face. The presidents, they're still riding. Let's get that guy, Titans, before he sends a national monument into orbit. Wonder Girl leaps from the monument and towards the guy making it levitate. The rest of the Teen Titans follow suit. Hurrah! Murmur and Moonfish, Robin! We can't fly like Wonder Chick! So slide down the bat rope after me, swingsters. Or uh, you can just stay up there, Aqualad, really, just fine. Yeah, just, just, hover, ha- yeah. just hang back. The Teen Titans, how do they get here? You didn't notice the giant red helicopter landing on the monument? I mean, they're not silent. Like, you know they're, they're mean? Not, and they're not far away. <laughs> they're not far away. They're like a couple hundred feet away. Hmm. They all ruined my delivery, and I've never failed to deliver in my life. Except for that one time he was cast to sing a solo in Starlight Express. Yeah, he wasn't, didn't quite have the chance for that kind of... Uh, for the Andrew Lloyd Webber, that was the problem. Uh, <laughs> the monument-stealing fellow turns his beam from Mount Rushmore to the Teen Titans, who begin falling upward. Holy levitation! That guy shifted the ray from the monument to us, and we're going up, and it's going the other way! End of chapter one. Mm-hmm. Now, the next chapter begins um, exactly as the last one ended. Uh, the Teen Titans are floating upward as Mount Rushmore plummets. What goes up must come down, and what goes down just keeps on going, goes an old saying. A pretty cynical old saying. Yeah, really. (laughs) (laughs) And right now, the Teen Titans and a certain national monument are having their ups and downs. Aqualad says, Yeah! Holy hammerheads! I'm getting farther from water all the time! 
You can breathe raindrops when we hit cloud level, Gilhead. But for now, four great guys need help. Wonder Chick, can you stop Tom, Teddy, Abe, and George from Smashville? I'll try, boy wonder. Wonder Girl whips out her magic lasso and snags the face of George Washington by his chinny-chin-chin. <laughs> she snagged it right on Washington's chin. I cannot tell a lie. I aimed for it. Oh, boy. Now, all the Teen Titans hold hands, which stabilizes them. Robin says, good, we're in stasis. That is, the vector, vector of forces working on us and the monument are in equipose and... Leaping lumpfish, 2,000 miles up, and he's giving physics lessons. Now, would you like to know what happens when Robin and Kid Flash let go of your hands? <laughs> yeah, it's something about uh, what goes up must come down. We just learned that. Yeah. <laughs> Robin, we can't stay here forever. You have a point, doll. Kid Flash, can you make it with super speed along the beam? Have shoes, we'll travel. Unlatching from the chain of titans, the Scarlet Speedster turns on the juice. Wait a minute. The the Flash is the Scarlet Speedster because his costume is red, right? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't really follow here. I think Wally should probably be the Amber Ambler or something like that. The, uh, yeah, I mean, it's not, not a red suit anymore. Okay. The yellow yokester <laughs> or something? We gotta, we, we gotta we think go. about that a little bit. <laughs> it's like running in molasses. Go, Fisheroo, go! Faster and faster churn the flying feet of the crown prince of whiz as he Ew. tries to make progress against the beam's upward force. Well, at least his costume is the color of cheese whiz, so there's something. There. <laughs> awful, awful, <laughs> awful nickname. <laughs> I'm picking up speed now. Gotta go still faster. Now the boy bullet really pours on the coal. Good gravy. Uh, Kid, now, Kid Flash is running directly towards the guy with the special ray-firing gun. Yeah, he says, what? That Titan? He's running down the ray at me. I'll fix that wise kid. I'll turn off the beam. And with a click, he does just that. Now the Teen Titans are falling rapidly. Well, everyone except for Wonder Girl, that is. Yes, uh, Kid Flash goes, Yow! No visible means of support. I could get arrested for vagrancy if I survive this. And if you don't survive, you get arrested for littering. So, either way. Aquilad <laughs> says, Robin, we lost the stasis on the hoosis. The monument's got a bad case of gravity-itis, and so do we. Aqualad, shut up, Aqualad. Uh, Wonder Doll, you gotta save the whole gig. Oh, is that all? <laughs> now the ponytailed teeny bopper exerts her Amazon muscles as she never has before. Great Hera, give me strength. Down plunges the tons and tons of sculptured stone as Wonder Girl reaches the limit of even her great power. She's doing it. We're slowing down. Wonder Girl pl replaces the monument neatly into the face of the mountain, good as new, Except for extensive structural damage that will probably make the site inaccessible for decades, I'm guessing. For sure. Yeah. Kid Flash goes, touchdown! It's bully, as Teddy Roosevelt would say. Why, it's even it's even real George, as Martha Washington would say. The three would anybody say that? I don't think anybody, anyone's ever said that. Would anybody refer to I, anything I as George? No, I, I don't know if that actually was ever a thing. I, you know, we might have to ask some of the uh, older folks if that was really a thing, but uh, yeah, I don't think so. I think I'm going to start calling things George from now on. But is it good or bad? That's what we don't know. You know what I mean? Ooh. <laughs> You're going to be offending somebody and be like, wow, that food is real George. Why are you on it? We have no idea. Uh, 
the three Teen Titans slide down Thomas Jefferson's nose to safety somehow. I don't. Or just a, or just a really fun death. I don't that, know. That's what it looks uh, like. <laughs> Robin goes, pardon us, Tom. I hope my history teacher never knows about this. Oh. Shades of Pluto. I've got to sneeze. What a bunch of boogers. Uh, <laughs> now, the Teen Titans reunite with Kid Flash, who is stuck up in a tree. Well, well. I've heard of hang-ups before. But this? Have a real yak, you characters. But that guy with the ray got away. A few moments later. Say, boy wonder, how'd you know there was a crazy happening out here in South Dakota? Seriously? You, you yahoos haven't figured this out yet? I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean... That... Do we need it spelled out? I mean... <laughs> Jeez. DJ, DJ tipped me off. The words he was accenting in his platter chatter. Rushmore? Teddy? It was a code. He figured either someone was stealing Mount Rushmore or DJ, DJ needed a fast shipment of lingerie. One of the two, so... One of the two. <laughs> but, the, but the question is, how did he know this was going to happen? And is he really in trouble out there in orbit? Maybe if I tune DJ in again on my wrist radio, he'll transmit some more clues. Wait a minute, you have a wrist radio, but you still hurry to that unit embedded into the wall earlier? Just why did you use the and, thing on your arm? And they haven't had the thing playing the whole time? Or why wasn't it playing had this thing? Yeah. <laughs> You'd think, I mean, if he's in trouble, uh, <laughs> Robin's radio crackles to life with the sweet tones of DJ DJ. <laughs> yeah, yeah, coolest ones. So DJ still orbiting the grooviest platters from Spaceville. Now I just pyramid in my collection with sphinx-like eyes and select that mad gear group, the freakouts playing. Baby, put back, <laughs> put back to you and our love. Yeah. So genius, do you still dig DJ's code? I haven't the foggiest idea what he was saying. I don't know what he said. Something about you and our love. I don't know what that means. Even I dug it, wet brain. DJ accented the words peer, amid, and sphinx. Yeah, shut the hell up, Aqualads. You know, you offer nothing. <laughs> Grumbling guitar fish. Is, it, is there such a thing as a guitar fish? Come on now. I hope so. You mean the Egyptian pyramids are next for that bozo with the ray? Aw, oh, DJ's gotta be kidding. Yeah, I'm sure he's joking this time. It's all a very funny joke, yeah. Yeah, it's a prank. Gotcha. Gotcha, Aqualad. <laughs> now, the Teen Titans climb back up the face of Mount Rushmore and hop back into the Teen Copter. Robin says, why? That character tried to steal Mount Rushmore, didn't he? And why would DJ be kidding in code? Let's get airborne, gang. And shut up, Aqualad. <laughs> right. Uh, they pile into the helicopter and take off for Egypt. And one girl says, but I don't get it. How does DJ know what this guy is up to? And why doesn't he radio the authorities directly? Search me. We'd have to be up there in space with him to know that. In space, that same orange alien in a purple spacesuit is standing on DJ DJ's capsule. He's got the top open and he's pointing a gun right at DJ DJ. Wait a minute, he got the top open? No, don't worry, it's okay. DJ DJ is wearing a space helmet. Oh, well, he's fine then. He's gonna be fine. The alien says... Very well, Earthling. Something has happened to the first delivery, but our agent on your planet will soon be sending another, now that you have radioed him with coded instructions. Like I read you, mean-skinned daddy-o. 
But like for that choice, where I'm like, what, what choice have I got? Well, you point that difference at old DJ, and then he thinks to himself, "This is really crazy." Here's a li- here's little me, the first platter jockey in space, being used by way out weirdos to snatch old Mama Earth's biggest monuments. If only somebody digs my Mayday signal or reads the code these alien bozos made me use. So now you know the whole wild bit, eager ones. Not too long after, along the Nile Valley... A man dressed like a traditional sheik rides a camel toward the Sphinx and pyramids in Egypt, and the Titan's copter is coming in for a landing. There they are, those pyramids and the Sphinx. They look okay! The real estate's deserted, except for one lonely camel pilot. Hey, hey now, Wally, let's not get offensive here. Mm, okay, it was different the, times. The, different. Okay. <laughs> After the Titan copter lands beyond some dunes, and from behind a nearby rock, the Teen Titans look on. That bedsheet buster looks harmless enough, but... Oh, oh, cool it with that kind of talk, Wally. Wow. Okay, okay. yeah, that'll a little too far, Wally. You gotta cool it now. <laughs> Robin goes, I know. Why's he got that transistor radio picking up DJ's program from space? Watch him. And whoops, dear ones, it's old DJ coming here from Spaceville with more fab and frantic sounds. The Sheik pulls out that same ray gun that lifted Mount Rushmore earlier. And it's the same guy, though uh, we never really did get a defining look at him before this. I loathe rock and roll, but at the price I must pay for delivering the Pyramids and the Sphinx. No Teen Titans within thousands of miles to spoil this delivery, and the Deliverer always delivers. The Giza Pyramid Complex, also called the Giza Necropolis, is a collection of ancient excavated structures located in the western desert just outside of Cairo, Egypt. It includes three pyramids, the Khufu Chops, Kafre Shapren, and the Mankur Mykarinos. Mykarinos? Mykarinos. You did very well. Uh, Also the Great Sphinx, several cemeteries, a worker's village, and an industrial complex. It is officially believed to be a necropolis or mortuary uh, built during the fourth dynasty of Old Egypt, sometime around 3100 BCE. The Great Sphinx is 240-foot-long, 66-foot-high structure of a figure with the body of a resting lion and the head of a person. It's believed that the person is the the pharaoh Khafre, who lived around 2500 BCE. The actual age and purpose of the structures in the Giza Pyramid Complex are heavily contested, and there is evidence that the Sphinx and some of the pyramids are much older than stated, but again... Different podcasts will discuss that those things yeah, for you. You'd have to play some Assassin's Creed Origins. <laughs> That's for, another for way you can do it. I think yeah. also, yeah, a little <laughs> bit about uh, you know the Da Vinci Code will help you out. There you go. Uh, so the deli- the deliverer fires his gun at the Sphinx, and uh, I mean, well, you can guess what happens next. Yeah. Holy hieroglyphs! He's levitating the Sphinx. Get him, team. The Teen Titans. All of the Teen Titans rush the Deliverer. So he turns his ray on them and levitates them again. Here we go again. Howling houndfish, but where? With any luck, you'll fly into airless space there, Aqualad. <laughs> Merciful Minerva. See you around, gang. The Deliverer flings the team so that they're split up and each lands somewhere else. Uh, Kid Flash plops down into some sand. Wonder Girl falls into a well. Robin lands on one of the pyramids, hopefully not at the tippy top, oh, but, uh, no. <laughs> and uh, Aqualad unfortunately splashes down into the Nile. Yeah, I kind of hope he would fall into lava, but oh well. Please. <laughs> now, the, now the Nile is a mighty river, cool and blue and filled with history. 
and filled with something else. Yes, a crocodile opened it, opens its toothy jaws and advances on Aqualad. A pharaoh-sized croc figures I'm a light lunch. A sheik rushes over to the well into which Wonder Woman fell. Wonder Girl fell. And he grabs her just as she emerges. He says, "Oh, girl from the sky, you have won my heart. You shall be my fourth wife." Now just cool it, sheik. I believe in long engagements. At least ten minutes. I, ah. Uh... Well, wait until she sees what uh, what oil money could buy. Let me tell you, that's flipped a lot of ladies in the, in the mm-hmm. past, I'm sure. <laughs> that's just for closers. But you'll dig what happens for openers to Robin in Kid Flash in part three, which continues on the following page. So, of course, this is the end of chapter two. Oh. And as uh, chapter three begins, we see Robin is being attacked by vultures on the steps of the pyramid. The boy wondered buzzard bait atop the Great Pyramid? Holy dead pharaohs. But where's the Scarlet Speedster? We discussed that already, right? Yeah, we don't we, use we that. Covered the this scarlet. Not, that's not yeah. for Kid Flash yet. No, no, no. He's yellow. We now take you directly to someplace in the desert. Yes, uh, Kid Flash is running at super speed in a circle. What a spot. With my super speed, I could get anywhere in seconds, but there's no landmarks out here. And the sun's directly overhead. I don't know which way to run. It's crazy. Seems like uh, running in a straight line would be the first thing, right? And then, I mean, even if you're going the wrong way, you're going to wind up in the same spot eventually. Eventually, exactly. Yeah. You know? <laughs> okay, let's flash back to Aqualad and that hungry crocodile, which has got to be even hungrier by now. If we gotta, and uh, Aqualad <laughs> dives deep and he sees some rubble on the floor of the Nile. That broken off hand from those submerged statues. Aqualad jams the fragment into the jaws of the crocodile, jamming them in the open position. There! You earned yourself a great big hand! Shut it, Aqualad. <laughs> and in a big goatskin tent in another part of the desert. Yeah, the sheik goes, And now, my lovely, I place the veil upon thee, and thou shalt now become the fourth and most beautiful wife. Wonder Girl thinks to herself, I played along so as not to offend this sandy swinger. And then she says, But now I've no choice but to offend thee, offendy. She didn't want to offend him, but called him a sandy swinger. I don't, I don't know what that's about. Hmm. <laughs> now a Wonder Girl throws the veil in the sheik's face and cracks the tent support. As she flies away, it collapses on the poor sheik and his entire entourage. His other three wives, I have to assume. Probably. Whew, that's me. Always a bride, never a bridesmaid. Now to find the fellas. One of those fellas is having a bit of trouble, too. Gotta wonder, is she better off with the Sheik or Terry Long? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, if only they did a what if for this, right? <laughs> she right. married the Sheik. <laughs> now, Robin ejects some, sp- some smoke from his utility belt in order to fend off those vultures. They really, they gotta be starving, because vultures <laughs> usually scavenge other kills, right? They don't usually just attack people, but about. Yeah, and we don't, we don't see any bodies around, Nothing, so yeah. they must be starving. Must be tough. <laughs> Robin goes, lucky I I came in t- Lucky I came too in time to use my utility belt smoke maker on these canaries. And then nearby, the deliverer finds the team copter and boards it. Leaving his camel to die, presumably. That's kind of messed up, but uh, he yeah, says, a bit. The Titan's copter, excellent. It's much faster than a camel. And now that I've delivered my, the Sphinx to my clients, I must move on to the next prize they desire. Yes, the deliverer always delivers. Ha ha, except for Mount Rushmore. 
No, not that. <laughs> uh, but just before the deliverer can enter the chapter, the chopper. Uh, Robin's green glove fist shoots out and knocks him cold. And we always deliver too, chum. And now, as from all points of the compass, a famous foursome regroups. Hey, Robino! That's the same bozo that tried to snatch Mount Rushmore! You know, and they, and they always call Batman like the best detective this, in the world, right? Uh, Aqualite, Aqualite is on the ball. Like, <laughs> like ten point. minutes after everyone else, he's on there. <laughs> Robin goes, Check, I recognize him now. A notorious crook known as the Deliverer. He'll steal anything for the right price, and he just lifted the Sphinx into space. And that's where we're going. Soon as we deliver him to Interpol and can get to the nearest U.S. rocket base. Or... You could call the Justice League. You know, I'm just saying. Uh, Superman could end this in like five seconds. It could just be done. Absolutely. <laughs> now, Kid Flash goes, have you flipped your wig, Boy Wonder? You're not getting me into the thin and weightless. Me neither. That goes double for me. But then Boy Wonders have a way of getting their way, as we see shortly after where a countdown is completed at the American Space Center. I don't think I've ever seen the Teen Titans this heroic. It really, I gotta say, I'm not, I'm not doing it. I'm a scared, <laughs> especially Wonder Girl. It's like, come on, you're, you're invulnerable. You know? She like, could go there without a rocket. Just go up there. <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing? <laughs> now, in our new scene here, the Teen Titans are all strapped into the cockpit of a rocket, and it takes off with a roar. What were we saying, boys, about not rocketing into space? Howling hatchet fitch, I still don't want to go. Uh, we don't want you here either, Aqualads. You can just step mm -hmm. out as far as I'm concerned. Could have. Just go swimming. Better step out now, Gilhead. All you will get is a sprained ankle and both heads busted. Uh, is Kid Flash talking about Aqualad's uh, wiener there? Both heads? Is that. Both heads? What in the world? Is there something? Okay, I don't, I'm not sure. Who's our is. letterer here? I, I... Really? Uh, <laughs> the rocket discharges the cockpit into space, sending the Teen Titans in orbit. We achieved orbit. Even I can't go much faster than this. Okay, Robino, we're up. But now what? We look for DJ DJ's floating discatorium, because my hunch is that's where the Sphinx is. The Sphinx shouldn't be hard to find. It's bigger than a boxcar full of needles. But space is a pretty big haystack, WG. DJ's broadcast, I'll steer towards his orbit. I'll, I'll steer towards his orbit by homing in on his chatter. And so Robin tunes in the dashboard radio. And now, Dream Drops, old DJ's gonna make your stony faces smile with another groovy go-round. Then... Flippin' Flounders! There it is! And there's DJ's a capsule, and look what else! They come upon DJ DJ's capsule with an orange alien uh, asteroid threatening DJ. A green flying saucer in the background has the Sphinx attached by a metallic tentacle. Great Hera! Aliens! That's the answer to everything. Aliens stealing Earth's greatest monuments. And you say this is the answer to everything. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm more confused than ever. Uh, <laughs> Robin goes, hang on, team. We're gonna make we're gonna make orbit rendezvous and try to pull off the first space rescue. Now, as Robin maneuvers the capsule to where it orbits near the disc jockeys. 
The first space rescue. <laughs> Superman's never done anything in space. I, I, I don't think this was the first one, i got to be honest with you. Probably. Yeah, uh, yeah the, we need a citation on that. Mm. Um, now, the Teen Titans clamber out of their craft and float toward DJ DJs. Uh, they're doing the spacewalk, said to be among the most difficult feats an astronaut can do. But it's okay because they all have oxygen tanks and fishbowls on their heads. I mean, you really got to think about this. Like, you know, the, uh, at least three of them, we don't know about Robin, but actually we know Robin did go to space with the Batman in the 50s sometimes. But sure. at least three of them purport to have never been in space before ever. Yeah. And and they're already launching themselves free into space <laughs> into from their space. rocket. Like, <laughs> that's why it's not crazy. Uh, the, alien, the alien says... The ever-loving Titans. Old DJ saved, yeah. Kid Flash goes, get that hitchhiker, team. Uh, Wonder Girl snags the alien's gun-holding hand with her magic lasso. Watch that ray gun. Nice toss, WG. Have lasso. We'll travel anywhere. Aqualad shoots headfirst into the alien's gut. From this angle, we can see that his tank is filled with H2O. That I learned from a hammerhead shark, Buster. Groovy, so gear and ungrade, mauve and fat. <laughs> Kid Flash <laughs> kicks the alien in the face in the vacuum of space somehow. <laughs> uh, really, for a guy whose power requires traction, he should be pretty screwed here, but he, yeah. he's doing all right. Even more than normal. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and that I learned from hammerhead mule, would you believe? Strictly super and out of sight. Go, Titans, go! But suddenly... The flying saucer snags Wonder Girl, Kid Flash, and Aqualad in a tentacle. Hey, just like on the cover, look at that. How about that? <laughs> Bad show. Saucer Gizmo grabbed the gang. Gotta take a space roll myself. A moment later, as the boy Wonder faces the remaining alien as both exit from their ships. And then an identical alien to the other one, who is now unconscious and floating in space somewhere, <laughs> uh, bounds from the green flying saucer. That saucer must be totally automated with such a small crew. How does he know how many people, how many aliens are on that spaceship? How does he have any idea? They're... I mean, it could be like a clown car. Who Literally. Knows? I mean, they think it could be packed with aliens. I have no mm -hmm. idea. But the other alien says, You are right, Earthling. Our science is supreme. Too bad our bodies could not stand your planet's atmosphere. That is why we needed to use these two Earthling fools to obtain your monuments. And uh, I guess we got to ask you, one of these monuments for... Yeah, well, kind of waiting to find out that part of the uh, plan, but uh, maybe we will in a minute. Uh, the other alien emits green rays from his gloves that grab Robin. So that's the reason. Yay! Hit by the alien's fantastic body energy emanations, Robin spins through space to land on... Body energy emanations. <laughs> Like I said, hmm. getting weird. It gets, <laughs> this one gets weird. Robin goes, the Sphinx. Hey, it's orbiting up here just like everything else. That means it could be moved easily with just a shove. So Robin pushes the Sphinx right into the other alien, hitting him with a pow. Most cool. Scratch one alien cat. Final score, Titans the greatest. Aliens nowhere. <laughs> is that a real score? Is that tennis? Is that how they score tennis? I'm not uh, sure. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Gear Ones, that wraps it, except for a little matter of putting back 50 tons of stolen property. Yeah, Wonder Girl is shown lowering the Sphinx back into place with her magic lasso. Robin says, perfect, Wonder Check. Now the Sphinx has a new secret. It's been in orbit. Hey, slow down. I never knew the old secret. 
Just shut it, Aqualad. We're, we're, we're just, we're done. We're done. We're Stop. done with you. Enough. Hmm. Uh, later, the Teen Titans are visiting DJ DJ back on Earth, and now he's wearing an oversized green jacket and a polka-dotted tie. Nice of you to invite us to your broadcast sensory entry, DJ. And those code messages you sent from space? Groovy. Whoops, you knew it, frantic ones. Loved it all. It was strictly a Titanic. Get it? Titanic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoops, we've run out of space, too. But the Fab Foursome will be orbiting your way in the very next issue of the world's greatest new comics mag success, Teen Titans. Miss it, and you're nowhere. The end. So, uh, no word on what the aliens wanted to do with these monuments, right? Yeah. Uh, does any, any anybody listening have an idea? Everybody, uh, so, hello, hello, please, anybody? What, what, what would aliens... <laughs> Want what with these the monuments Mount Rushmore and the Sphinx uh... that they would risk a murderous atmosphere to get them mm-hmm. uh, and, and apparently if you remember the deliverer was about to get his third uh, prize and we never found out what that was but nope. we have nope. to assume Eiffel Tower any number of uh, monuments were uh, on the map so it's true that's it's true. a heck heck of a plan but you know this whole thing Chris it really makes me think about the big the space race obviously you know this sure. is this is obviously the time that's happening and this would have been two years before the U.S. landed on the moon, mm-hmm. uh, which is usually definitely by American scene is sort of like the beginning of everything important, but that's not obviously the first action to happen in space. Sure. Uh, we have talked about this before, but we're going to talk about it in a different way. Uh, on October 4th, 1957, the Soviet Union launched Sputnik, the first artificial satellite to orbit the planet from space. This, more than any other incident, kicked the Cold War into overdrive. Before now, aggressions between the U.S. and the USSR took place in far-off lands, often using proxy armies like the Korean War or the French-Vietnam conflict or other unnamed things going on around the world. Uh, Sputnik placed the Soviet menace directly above the heads of every American. Indeed, many tracked its progress through the news and by shortwave radio. The American Radio Relay League provided instructions. They said, tune in 20 megacycles sharply by the time signals given on that frequency. Then tune to slightly higher frequencies. The beep beep sound of the satellite can be heard each time it rounds the globe. The first recording of Sputnik 1's signal was made by RCA engineers near Riverhead, Long Island. They then drove the tape recording into Manhattan for broadcast to the public over NBC radio. This was a distance of about 80 miles. As Sputnik rose higher over the East Coast, however, its signal was picked up by W2AEE, the ham radio station of Columbia University in Manhattan. Students working in the university's FM station, WKCR, made a tape of this, and they were the first to rebroadcast the Sputnik signal to the American public, or whoever was listening to college radio at the time. Yeah, probably not that many people, but <laughs> it was it was there. That they were the f- it was there. So this is a thing, <laughs> yes. Now, the USSR's launch of Sputnik 1 spurred the United States to create the Advanced Research Projects Agency, the ARPA, later DARPA, in February 1958 in order to regain the technological lead. I have a feeling DARPA was the added department to the... To the probably, it yes. It sounds like to, a, a had US... To do all, you had to do all new business cards, all oh, new yeah, dictionary, every, all new everything. envelopes... Everything got to be changed. Uh, that's that's that sounds like a U.S. government type of move right there. Uh, the Soviet Union launched its second satellite, Sputnik 2, a month later on November 3rd, 1957. This one contained the first dog in space, Laika. 
Uh, while, ma- when he, while many Western media outlets cautiously celebrated the launch of Sputnik 1, heralding the beginning of the space age, they denounced the second launch because it involved a dog. Many in the United Kingdom reported this launch to the Royal Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals, who couldn't do anything about it because it wasn't in their jurisdiction. For and sure. uh, they didn't really have, they, what are they going to do, get it back down from space? So it was kind of done, so. Yeah, it was a done deal. Well, it's a one-way trip. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, the United States launched their first satellite, Explorer 1. This was on January 31st, 1958. The Explorer 1 payload consisted of the Iowa Cosmic Ray Instrument without a tape data recorder, which was not modified in time to make it onto the spacecraft. Therefore, data collected by the instrument, designed to detect cosmic rays was spotty and would not be confirmed until the third satellite launch that of course would be the Explorer 3 and that contained a team known as the Fantastic Four <laughs> uh, a total of 8,378 objects have been launched into space and of them 4,994 are still in orbit though seven of those in orbit are around other celestial bodies like the moon or other things in general so mm. Uh, only 4,987 circle overhead. So that makes you, you can breathe easier. Feel better. Uh, there's, yeah. there's, there's only <laughs> just under 5,000 things up there ready to fall on your head. Uh, the, these satellites provide hundreds, if not thousands, of services for us earthbound folk, from internet and cellular phone to crop monitoring and weather observation, and of course, espionage and facial recognition. So keep watching the skies, folks, and maybe <laughs> we can have DJ DJ up there spin some platters and uh, I hope so. Get us into the satellite thing. Uh, you know, it's when, when you when you uh, look at the the schedule, like the NASA schedule for mm-hmm. like that's pretty much all they ever do is launch private satellites into space. That's like sure. literally what they do constantly. And you know, they got to make money. That's part of the thing, and they're pretty much the only game in town that can do it. But it is staggering. It's just like, you know, absolutely. Google, a, Google, Google, Verizon, number, Verizon, yeah. Verizon. You know what I mean? Just like this, just setting them up there. And it's like, I don't know. God, it makes <laughs> me feel a little weird. But, you know, luckily the T Titans are around to uh, save us from whatever. They can help us, yes. Are, are any of these satellites trying to take our monuments? Uh, I'm going to say not yet. Okay. You know, no, I mean, there's no deliverer up there. It's, so only, it's only a matter of time before they realize that they need those monuments vitally. For, for something. For something. We don't know <laughs> what, but vital, vital to the operation. Uh, if you happen to know what the monuments could be used, uh, the aliens could <laughs> use them for, or you want to talk about this issue of Teen Titans or satellites or whatever we talked about in this episode maybe, in general. Maybe you're the president of the Aqualad fan club. <laughs> maybe you want to you uh, stump for Aqualad. That's fine. You know, you want to come back at us for a little bit digging at Aqualad. <laughs> you can write to us at weirdcomicshistory at gmail.com. We do have a Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash Chris and Reggie, where we have three exclusive episodes a month, including an episode of Cosmic Treadmill After Dark that gets a little bit saucy. And uh, you can get a free enamel pin for signing up, so go check that out. Absolutely. You can follow us on Facebook over at facebook.com slash Cosmic T-Mill History. You can find us on Instagram at Cosmic T-Mill. We're on Twitter at Cosmic T-Mill, and I'm on Twitter at Reggie Reggie. I'm at Ace Comics. You can find our weekly uh, writings and talkings about recent DC Comics over at WeirdScienceDCComics.com. Yeah, it's worth saying we cover the Sandman Universe stuff right now, and we do a segment every week, and Chris has been gathering them into 
Gatherums, which is a good name mm-hmm. for them, uh, every <laughs> Thursday. So you could you could hear kind of a you know a, a block of them on uh, on yep. our, on our channel. But if you want to hear them up to date, you got to go to the Weird Science DC Comics dot com podcast. And uh, you can check out Chris's daily writings, or almost daily these days. Uh, Action Comics Weekly being covered over at Chris's on InfiniteEarth.com. Five days a week, right? You're, you're doing the... Uh, seven. Oh, all seven. seven. I'm, I'm, all I'm, seven. I'm missing weekends, I guess. So seven days <laughs> a week going through uh, an issue per week of Action Comics yes. Weekly. What week are we on right now, roughly? We you are know? on week 11 of 42. Uh, there's a, this, It goes up from 601 to 642 Action Comics, and uh, this week is Action Comics Weekly number 611. There are six chapters in each uh, in each issue, and... Each one gets a day, and then at the end of the week, it's usually Thursday, or it is going to be Thursday until something changes anyway, uh, that uh, everything gets collected, and uh, we throw a poll up a there poll to see what the best of, yeah. yeah, see what everybody's favorite books are, because soon enough, uh, DC will release their own polls in the letters pages, and wanted to see how they match up. I'd be interested. It, it, tell you, it's a great project. It's going to become an amazing repository, and obviously, if you were to jump on now, you could still be considered an early adopter. Because he's got quite, <laughs> quite a bit to go. So, uh, Chris is at InfiniteEarths.com. It's really a great. And then also, uh, rolling backwards, is DC Comics from all over the map being that are reviewed sure. on that site. It's been going on now four years, right? Something like this uh, coming go, up. Going on four, yeah. It's uh, over over a thousand, over eleven hundred days straight. Yeah. Ooh, so yeah, go check it out. Chris is at InfiniteEarths.com, and of course, our site, ChrisandReggie.com, where you find all of our shows. Archive. We got Cosmic Treadmill, Weird Comic Sister. We got uh, Chris on Infinite Earth uh, podcast. Uh, Reggie's Comic <laughs> Stories. That's where to go if you want to listen to our stories in order. Find them in some kind of searchable way, as well as show notes and uh, who knows what else. That's about it, I guess. Well, all, really. the, all the all the Ginchy and Gear stuff we can put up there is uh, basically yeah. it. And and among the Ginchiest and Geariest is uh, the 80stees.com banner you can click on in order to get yourself some whoops gear uh, here. <laughs> gallop and gallop fish. It, re- it really fish. rolls off the top. I'll tell you what, you have got the lingo down pat, Chris. <laughs> you can go to 80stees.com and get yourself a gear, get your gear. No. <laughs> you can get yourself a t-shirt since we are going into the warmer climate and uh, at least in our hemisphere, you can uh, buy yourself some t-shirts, cover yourself up with something stylish, fashionable, and something you really dig. Yeah, where you live, you just take the t-shirt off uh, from about June on. That's, that's how it is for a lot of people, I feel. Yeah, you just get it tattooed. That's all. (laughs) Uh, But I think that's all we got from this week, Chris. Got anything else for him? No, that'll do it. Well, until next time, folks, I want you to keep it on the treadmill and shut up, Aqualad. Whoops. Whoops.